And we're back with our first episode, official episode, of the Hypercast. I'm John, joined by... Tyler. And Natty. And uh, we're here to talk about movies. Uh, Today we're talking about one movie in particular. Uh, We all watched this movie. Zodiac. A 2007 flick starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Mark Ruffalo, Robert De Niro... Not Robert De Niro, Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, there we go. Nailed it. Yeah, big difference. Uh, directed by David Fincher. So, yeah. This is uh, David Fincher's uh, some amount of movies. He's done a couple. Uh, you guys seen any Fincher films? Not Seven, either. Fight Club. Yeah, you no. Well, this one, then the social network, which we will do next week. Same guy. So, uh, yeah. So, what are we going to talk about first, John? Well, I guess we'll start with the performances because that's the most important part. The main character, played by Jake Gyllenhaal is Robert Graysmith, who eventually writes the book that the movie's based on. So it's sort of like a, he writes Zodiac, which is in real life, the book that inspired this movie. Did not know that that book was in real life. Yeah, well, it's a real story, you know, true story. I didn't know that was a true story. Yeah. You said that everything was, um, Real to life, didn't you? It was it's pretty accurate. Probably like ninety percent. Yeah. That's a very interesting to think about. Yeah. And just to what limits he went to go and write this book and find out more about it and the fixation that he had on it the entire time. It was very interesting. It was interesting to watch. So like I guess going into the movie, you have to have a mindset of this is not a dramatized movie. This is based off of real life events. Um, I liked the movie. I liked not the movie, but I liked how it showed real life situations and things that actually happened. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this is a this is your first Jake Gyllenhaal experience, I guess. But uh, you have seen other movies with him in it. Right, Enemy, Nocturnal Animals. Yeah, let's say Enemy, Nocturnal Animals. And one for the other audiences, Spider-Man. Yeah, Far From Home. Yeah, Far From Home. Okay. He's the bad guy. Bad. I haven't seen that one. Thoughts on uh, his performance in this movie and him, I guess, overall so far? He's very driven. He's a very driven actor. He... Yes. I don't want to say he has a type, but he's into the more dramatic characters. I don't know, this one has been a little different, so like you can, from the movies that I've seen, you can tell that he has a range. Like he, he can do very well in different situations, and if you put him in a situation, he can do well. Um, I thought in this one he did a really good job portraying, again, like I'm saying, again, again, the fixation that he has on 
this case and the motivation and what he had to give up for this. And so he did a really well job of portraying that. Do you like, uh, it's sort of like a slow build. You sort of see him throughout the movie become more and more obsessed. And I think he, he shows that really well right. in his uh, mannerisms. Yeah, I don't think you immediately see how fixated he is on it either. Because like you were saying, it's a slow build. And you get to a point where you're like, oh my God, it's taken over his life. Because like at the beginning, it's like, yeah, that's a interesting, fun obsession that happens to correlate with his job. Yeah. But you get to the point where, are we allowed to do spoilers in this? Oh, kind of yeah, crazy. spoiler warning, I guess. Okay. You get to the point where, like, his wife takes the kids and mm-hmm. leaves the house. Well, first he gets like, the wife. We see his whole, uh, we see his whole life through that's this movie. true. We see him in his first date, and we see his eventual uh, uh, crumbling down of his marriage and his relationship with his kids. Because we know he's already divorced or separated from uh, his original partner because of his for- first kid, or... No, she's alive, right? His first, whoever the first person was who he had the original kid with. I think, did we, we met her somewhere in there, didn't we? I think uh, he drops the kid off at her house. I think so. I know that he's a kid, though, because he took him off the bus. Right, he has the first kid, and then when he marries, he gets two more. Two more? Yeah, yeah that sounds about right. It was sad how, it wasn't sad, but, like, at the beginning of the movie, she was so, like, not the beginning, but the beginning of their relationship, she was very supportive of it, and then she realized how attached he was to this, and how he would take it over his family, and it was hard to watch. She did a really, she did a great job. Um, yeah. Just portraying that as well, just the hurt that it caused and stuff like that. So it was, I liked her performance. Mm. He gets the calls from uh, the Zodiac or someone who claims to be the Zodiac with the heavy breathing on the line. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, he's so obsessed, he just shrugs it off. It's almost just like, uh, it's like nothing to him. Yeah. It's just another obstacle that he just needs to push through. Yeah, he gets, to the, he gets to the point where he just, like, hears the breathing and then, like, hangs up. Right, he doesn't even like, I remember the one off. scene where he hears it and he just goes, nope. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. So next character, Mark Ruffalo's character, Inspector kind of David Toski, Animal Crackers boy. Okay, I meant that not his appearance is cute, but like his character was adorable. Like the Animal Crackers, I thought that was <laughs> that was cute. Um. And when he gets his new partner, he doesn't have the Animal Crackers. Oh. Top ten anime betrayals. So sad. Um, yeah. Nobody got that reference. I got it. You got it. Good. I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, I thought his he did a well job. He did a good job as well. Um. I don't. Yeah. (laughs) You see him crumble too. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. It's not like, uh, it's not really self-inflicted. It's almost like, uh, like all the main characters sort of crumble, right? But with Jalen Hall's Robert Graysmith, it's self-inflicted and he's choosing this. 
with Toski, yeah. it's because of his job, he's putting in the effort, and it's eventually it like destroys him almost. Yeah, and he's trying so he was trying so hard to try and help this case, and then they go and just blame him and accuse him of writing the letters for his own his own um his own fame and importance and it's difficult watching someone go through that when they're trying to, when they're being honest and they're trying to help and trying to be selfless and then someone's like oh you're doing it for yourself and that's yeah. kind of frustrating a little um, i guess this was semi-self-inflicted though because at a certain, I feel like he mostly just wants to do a good job. Yeah, but like, there's a point where he like doesn't he get in an argument with his wife at some point where he's doing because he's doing too much because like he works on it outside of work and he's like taking it home with him. So I feel like it's semi self-inflicted. Yeah, maybe. But it's a, that's also like doing a good job still, you know, working on outside that's hours, true. trying to solve the case. You know, his whole goal the whole time is to solve the case. Right. And he's still, his marriage is still intact by the end of it. You know, he's still, he's almost still the same person. You don't see like a lot of, uh, like with Gyllenhaal's character, you sort of see his mannerism shift and how he acts towards people. It's different. But he's yeah, Ruffalo's character almost like Ruffalo realizes that he has become obsessed with it at some point, whereas Gyllenhaal's character does not. Yeah. Right. Or Ruffalo's character cares that he got obsessed with it and attempts to fix himself, whereas Gyllenhaal doesn't necessarily attempt to get yeah. away from the fixation. Yeah. And the final main character, Robert I... Downey Jr., not De Niro. <laughs> not De Niro. See, I usually I love Robert Downey Jr.'s work, but I felt too much of Iron Man, I guess. Like, his, I don't know, how he plays. Um, Iron Man, I felt it a lot in this movie, especially, like, just the arrogance and the, the, I don't know, like, the, I got this, like, oh, this is, it's fine, I, I can be above it all and stuff like that. I don't know, I kind of felt a little bit of that in this movie. Um, there was a few parts where I was like, e, that's, I've seen that character before. Um, but if that was the character that he was trying to portray, he did it well, but there was just a few times where I was like, e, you are passing, or you are bringing another character into this film. So, to be fair to this movie, this movie came out before any of the Iron Mans. Yeah. And before he was even, you know, like, So I think he filming. found, right, yeah, so I think he found his character in this one for Iron Man. I don't know, it was just interesting. I feel like that's kind of just Robert Downey Jr. Like, I've only seen him as Iron Man, but I feel like that's kind of just his he's bringing personality. His, he's bringing himself into the role. Maybe, yeah. Thought he Which was good. Could have been why the director cast him, if that's a, who he was going for. 
was yeah, Robin was. your character. Yeah. It was almost like uh, at, at times I was questioning why the character was in the movie, if that made sense. Yeah. Especially towards the end, he just kind of disappeared. Yeah, but he's still like prevalent in the story, even though I mean, by the last 30 minutes, he, he doesn't do anything. Obviously, he's important because he's the only one at the Chronicle that the Zodiac mentions in the letters, but, you know, I'm not Paul Avery. Yeah. But Why was the, um, the, well, I guess the boat scene was necessary. I was going to say, I don't know if the, where he goes to the houseboat and well, finds I think him. that's when Gyllenhaal kind of realizes that he's going to write the book. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. that's why it's necessary. I don't know if it needed. I don't think it needed to be like Paul Avery. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, know that if in a movie like this you even need to have like the realization scene for Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal, because it kind of always feels like he's gonna head down that path anyway. Yeah, but if it's staying true to life and that's how it actually happened in real life, then so that's not how it actually it makes happened. Sense. Uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s character is one of the only characters that's, like, amped up for the movie. Hmm. Because they want to give him more. So that scene never happened, and uh, he wasn't as, like, impactful in real life as, you know, Eden Hall and uh, Toski were. If what I read is to be believed, which I, I think it is. So, sort of yeah. interesting there. I feel like that reinforces your point of what's the point of Robert Downey Jr.'s character then? I think they just wanted like uh, I think it, it works well with the three. They got the three big names. Yeah. 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 I like RDJ. He's always been kind of he's always doing the same character it feels like. Mm. But I like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I like Zodiac. Uh, he's Iron Man. So that's cool yeah 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 he he does a good job committing to his characters true yeah all right yeah. so what would you like to talk about next john uh so i guess just moving through the movie opening scene we get uh the first zodiac murder it's the one in the car right yeah uh yeah not the taxi though the one in the with the two yeah, yeah. with mm -hmm. the Couple, yeah, with the the girl and her mistress, her manstress. I don't her know. Man, her man, mistress. her man, her side man, because she's married, right? And then that guy is just side dude. Yeah, side guy. That's the one he. It's uh, kind of personal. I guess we technically don't know if the Zodiac killer is a guy or a girl. To be fair, guy. Is it a guy? Yeah. How do we know that? Oh, never mind. Handwriting, and then uh, we have eyewitnesses from almost all the murders, actually, that we see in the movie. True. So. Oh, so, so that's the one where he leaves the guy alive. Right, but we don't, I don't know, I don't think he means to, because he shoots him. Oh, we shot him like multiple four or five times. times. Mm -hmm. It was a revolver. And actually, the, wasn't it? it was something, but the gun used where the bullets were shot, 
and the setting were all completely accurate, you know, just sort of David Fincher is not going to not let it be accurate. Right. I can respect that. Yeah. Like that's putting in that much effort is pretty. Yeah. And it's doing impressive. the victims justice as well. True. So you'd hate to have, I don't know, as a relative, you hate to have your loved one's murder just be smothered into Hollywood and not be true. And I thought you were just going to stop there. As a relative, <laughs> you hate to have your loved one's murder. I thought that's that was a bold take. take. For a second. <laughs> yeah. That's a bold take. <laughs> yeah. So I think uh, one of my favorite parts of the movie that sort of starts with this scene is the soundtrack and the score. It's got a great soundtrack. I like uh, Hurdy Gurdy Man is heard in this. I like that song. Good choice. That song was also had a, like a week. It was terrible. And then, uh, I think also with this scene, you had um, Why Can I Not Think of the Name? Oh, Easy to Be Hard by Three Dog Night. Oh, love you know, that Another one. great band. Yeah. Which is originally from the musical Hair, in case you were curious. That is a cover. Um, All right. Yeah. yeah that and that will be the one yeah, hair yeah. reference we make in this entire channel. So I hope uh, <laughs> I hope you guys absorbed that. <laughs> Took it in. It's a lovely hippie musical. I don't, I don't, those, is that like a oxymoron? Thanks. Thanks, John. Mm -hmm. Thanks. You're welcome. Way to hate on the musical. No, the hippie lovely the musical. It's, it's a 1960s musical. That has anything to do with it. Um, but yeah, anyway, I like, the soundtrack was very building, especially in the intense parts. It just helped add to the urgency. Um, yeah, they went away from the soundtrack to like a more sort of fitting score for like some of the scenes later in the movie, like when he's going through the house and he finds oh, the film right. tape. Yeah. Spooky. Yeah, um, so we get to, the movie starts with that. Right, and then we see, it's like a timeline, go through years, and we see three more murders from the Zodiac. Right. Three. Yes. So you have the first one. The first the one, car. the one in the meadow, and the one in the taxi. And there's one more, I think. Uh, oh, not a murder, but uh, the girl on the highway with the baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, that yeah. So that's like, uh, that's like, that's not really, it's kind of like halfway through the movie, almost. Yeah, somewhere around there. That was a long But it's movie. the last, it's the last, uh, like, true Zodiac scene we get, I guess. There we know the guy's Zodiac. Left her alive. No, I accident. mean, they probably don't know. She jumped, well, it's she probably jumped, out, the of baby she jumped out. She jumped out of the car and hit her That's child. Because he forgot to put the safety locks on. And so she oh, yeah. jumped out and rolled and, like, hit herself and then hid, H-I-D. Um, and then flagged down another car. That was a crazy scene where she's that just, was a like, wild screaming. Scene. Screaming and the baby's gone and you're like, oh, my God, where's the child? Where's the child? Where's the baby? You idiot, you left it in the car with the serial boy. killer. Oi, oi. It's an error. Um, what? Whoa, <laughs> that'd be wild. That would be, that would be an interesting twist. Um, 
See, as much as I love this movie, and I understand that it was supposed to be, like, I don't know, as close to real life as possible, I feel like, especially the meadow scene-ish and part of the first scene, those were, I don't know, more geared to one genre. I don't know, they didn't seem as... I know it's supposed to be surreal, but it didn't seem like it fit the rest of the movie. It was very, very intense in those two parts, and especially, like, the one in the house as well. It felt like something, I don't know, more dramatic was... Okay, just kidding. Those were very dramatic, but, like, I don't know. In my opinion, it just didn't fit the flow of the movie. They were just, like, two little spikes, and then the rest of the movie was, like, down on a different level to, like, be more more realistic, and those scenes were just... I don't know. I guess if he meant to make it that way, but I felt the movie kind of drags on, except for those two. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna agree with you, but I'm gonna sort of flip it and say that I applaud the movie for doing that. All right. Because I think it's sort of like it's sort of like representative of the news cycle. So you get like these, all the murders are like these peaks of panic in the news cycle, right? So it's super intense at the first one, the second one, the third one, the fourth one. And then it's sort of like it's died down at the other parts because, you know, 24-hour news cycle, if nothing new is happening. And then with the letters come in, it's hectic and everyone's trying to. But then you see the hiatus it takes on the four years and it's slow and it's building again. Until Gray Smith is almost finished with the book and then it hikes up again. I think it's sort of like an attempt to put sort of like an attempt to put the audience into the mindset of somebody living at that time, witnessing the news. Right. As like seeing it on television. Drags on. Yeah. yeah, I still think it drags, but I think it's uh, commendable, good. I don't know. Yeah. You know, one of yeah. those words. See, I'm a person that likes those intense parts of the movie. Like, those parts I loved, like, I liked those, I liked creepy thing. Like, one of my favorite movies is Silence of the Lambs, and so that the creepy just going in intense movements of what's gonna happen, like, what what are they doing, and stuff like that. So I really liked those peaks, and so I guess just me, like, me with liking my own genre, I guess I gravitated more towards, but I see your point of, like, it represents the media, and so that I'm plotting. I don't think it really, yeah, I don't think it really works that well, as Fincher may have wanted. Uh, Cause I think while you're in it, maybe it works good, but looking back, it's kind of, yeah, you know, it's slow. slow so movie. it's a movie you have to experience just definitely not, it definitely cannot be broken up. You have to watch it in what? one setting. Yeah. yeah. Setting. I, I don't know if I'd recommend breaking any movie up into multiple settings if you have a choice, but I guess yeah. like some Especially movies, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But I guess like a, I don't know, Marvel movie you could probably cut in half and you'd be fine. I don't know if you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're all kind of. All the Avengers are kind of one big long movie that they split into chunks. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll do a Marvel episode. We'll talk about all twenty-five films in one episode. Rapid Issa fire. Issa would love that. Issa would love that. Would Issa would love that. Maybe we do two parts and just rapid fire through all the movies. Ooh. That'd be fun. 
And then, because we've all already seen them, so we wouldn't have to do a lot of watching. That's false, actually. You've seen a lot of them. I've seen most of them. Yeah. Right, and then maybe at the end we rank them. The... Let us know if you guys want to see that by uh, following, subscribing, uh, commenting. But we can't see your comments if you don't subscribe, so you have to subscribe before uh, you comment. Yep, that's a new YouTube thing. Shout out Brandon. to New for our first um, comment on YouTube. Yeah. We love our colorblind followers. Yeah. Yeah. Very important. So, yeah. Okay, back to Zodiac. What were we talking about? Yeah, that, I don't remember. <laughs> that little break there. I don't even remember what we were talking about. So, we were going through the we're movie. We were talking about how the movie, like, the tempo of the movie, basically. Right. Mm, yeah. I feel long. I I think it is a bit long. Very long, especially because we watched it late at night, like very two hours and forty-seven minutes long. I think. How long? Let me three check. Hours. It's like three hours and something. Two hours thirty-seven <laughs> minutes. So I mean, it's not like. Yeah, that's not super long. But it's not Godfather true. length, but it's not. It just felt really long. And yeah. to be historically accurate like that... It takes a lot of effort. Well, it takes a yeah. lot of setup, too. Well, because half the movie is kind of just, like, set up for the... Right. When Graysmith eventually starts writing the book, and then it's, like, a completely different movie. Yeah. It really yeah. is. I think we ended the movie at, like, 3 o'clock in the morning. 3-something. Yeah, that sounds about right. Maybe. So that yeah, surely really. didn't help. You're crazy, John. Um, <laughs> you but, probably went back to your room and watched an entire another movie. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Um, yeah. Length. So, long. Length. Yep. So I guess uh, next thing to talk about. Uh. Oh, the letters. Yeah, that's important. Those were interesting. So we see, we see at minimum four, but I'm pretty sure it's like five or six or seven letters throughout the movie. Yeah. And they're all written in code. And it's his way of communicating with the Chronicle and all these other news sources, kind of. Right. Almost like forcing them to give him publicity. They're, no, no, no. Some of them he writes himself. I was going to say, some of them are not good. Straight up, it? where he gives, like, the facts of the case. So, yeah. So they kind of, like, the movie is sort of dealing with who is the Zodiac. And they're saying that the Zodiac is either one person, four people, like, 27 people. And they don't, because there's definitely imposters. Right. Yeah. But he was also... They, they addressed that in there. Right. And the Zodiac, quotation marks around Zodiac, was claiming uh, murders that he didn't commit. Right. So the thought is he either killed, like, four or, like, 27 people. Yeah. And I mentioned that in the movie. I... And they... Even when the movie came out, it, like, years after this whole case was so dead in the water, to they think still didn't know. That from a law enforcement standpoint is just wild because it's like 
you think these case these murders are connected, but with all the publicity, it's like, are they actually connected? Is the dude just saying that they're connected? Like it makes your trying to figure out that case much harder. Yeah. And I think the Zodiac himself was very egotistical as well, especially during some of the letters when he was just proving and just making, like, letting the Chronicle know, and especially making sure that he was in the newspaper. I'm pretty sure he was very egotistical about what he had accomplished. And so are most serial killers as well, as they're very self-centered and toward themselves because they're trying to accomplish something that they need to or would like to. And so they, a lot of them suffer from being egotistical and self-centered. And so I think that was part of his reason as well to just try and take these other crimes as his own is just trying to boost his ego. Because especially in the movie when they died down about him, like the newspapers weren't posting about him anymore. He was like, wait, that's mine. That's mine. That that crime was yeah. mine. Like that. And so it just proved like how insane he was. Well, I think it's a, they do something interesting with like his character in the movie. Everything you see about him is told through the perspective of the Chronicle or the police department. And it's right. all how you would read it in like a newspaper. Or a police. You don't get any like, right. You don't get any like, I don't want to say intimate because that feels like the wrong word. But you don't get I any get scenes where it's just like, just him and he's not with, you know. Right. And that goes with your point earlier about like making it, making the movie seem like it was, like you were in the time and stuff like that. Like, of course, you were, if you weren't in the time, or like, if you were in the time, you wouldn't be there with him and stuff like that. And so I guess that's just part like, well, I was watching the movie. I wish, like, I kind of wish that I saw it, like him on his own, like doing some, like writing a letter or something like that. Silence of the Lambs-esque, where you see him in his Yeah, where you see him like plotting stuff. Exactly, yeah. like in Sense of the Lambs, where he's like with the moths and like taking care of them and stuff like that. So like, I, part of me wanted to see that, but with your point of like it being the news, I guess it just made more sense of not being there with him and just leaving more suspense and focusing more on people trying to solve the case rather than the person in charge of the case. Going yeah. back to your point of him being um, egotistical too, I feel like that really comes out in the scene where they have him on the talk show and he calls into the oh yeah radio station Brian Cox's character yeah because that really brings out like Elvin Bell Belli that's the talk show host name mm. I just feel like if you thinking about it from like an objective standpoint there's no reason to call on to that right talk no. show like, that's just a bad idea if you're trying not to get caught. But if you think about it from an egotistical standpoint, then it's, like, a fantastic idea. You want yeah. and it's just baiting the world. Yeah, he, he wants to be known. Didn't, didn't they talk about At least in the sense of the movie. We're talking about the movie here also. True. So anytime you refer to anything, it's our inference from the movie because we don't know anything about any of the characters in real life so correct true didn't in the movie though didn't they say that the person that called on was a, a fake a not fake not the well it wasn't the guy from the very first scene 
but we don't know if the guy from the first scene killed any of the other people in the three other scenes, so it could have been one of those people. But again, it's all, you know. I thought his his outfit was interesting in the one in the, scene. In the, the field? Meadow. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was very egotistical as well because, like, he had a whole little cape going on there and a little medallion hanging down. So that was a little... And the logo on his chest. Exactly. Yeah. That was a little stream for him. So that Is was... Is that part? Yeah. I know they got pictures of, like, not pictures. They got sketches of, like, what he looks like. Yeah, they, they have the original sketchings of that costume you can find online. And the people who were working on the case gave Fincher and, like, the whole team unimpeded access to all the files and stuff. Oh, that's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. Um, if I remember correctly, I don't think they showed this in the movie, but I know that he wrote some of the letters in like newspaper clippings, like used letters to like use letters like you see in a lot of like the fake or not the fake movies. Like a lot of like Where you like you like piece the letters together. Yeah, and you use like letters from different newspapers just as, like a joke. Ransom like, notes. Word for that. I don't know what it is. Yeah. But I know that he Ransom wrote... Ransom notes. Right, something yeah. like that. I know that he wrote a lot, a few of his letters with, like, doing that method as well, and I don't think they showed that in the movie. Maybe not, but we only see... Uh, you only physically four see... Four or five. Like, right. A and, he, and, he uh, and they may have mentioned that, actually, that he began writing them in newspaper. I feel like they, I feel like they mentioned it. They probably did. I, I, I don't remember. I think it. when he goes to the handwriting expert and they're like, uh, blah, 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 he was being in catch on or something, so he began to write newspaper clippings or something like that. I, I feel like that was maybe in there. But. Maybe? I don't know. Yeah. A lot in this movie. There, there was a lot. Long I, movie. Yeah. So Wait John, till we watch The Godfather. Oh boy. We get snacks, no. right? Yeah, we'll get a popcorn. Intermission halfway through. Yeah. Oh, come on now. You don't you don't take an intermission in The Godfather, Jesus. <laughs> Potty break. Oof. You don't take uh, breaks in The Godfather. No, 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 no. You watch that straight through. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. John, okay. would you like us to give our final reviews now, or is there anything Yeah, do else? we want to go into... Anything else we want to talk about? I feel like we brought up the... Uh, I I feel like uh, we brought up the scene where he's in the house a lot, and we haven't really uh, gone into it, but that's maybe the most important scene in the movie. And the ending scene. Oh, the ending scene. We have to talk about the ending scene. The You're talking about the scene where Dylan Hall's in the house, right? Where Gyllenhaal's yeah. at the house, and then the ending scene where oh, they go into the airport crazy. years later, and they're like, identify this guy. And he identifies the guy that they talked to earlier in the movie, which is something that we also jumped over, but I feel like it's pretty self-explanatory. They talk to who their prime suspect is. He's wearing the Zodiac watch. He's wearing the boots. You know, he oh, has all the, the mannerisms. When they're in the factory? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't... Uh, and basically what he says is, he says, like, you can't prove it's me, or if I was a Zodiac killer, I'm not going to tell you. Right. That was interesting. And that right. made me 
bad that they couldn't get him right there. His his RV was nasty. His little not RV, his little motorhome. Oh yeah, with the squirrels. squirrels all over the place. Oh gross. And then the yeah. And then the was... thing. Did I? I? Think so. I remember you talking about it. That was gross. I mean, I thought some of the squirrels were cute, but, like, that's not how some No, dude, they all definitely have rabies. <laughs> Is it illegal uh, to have squirrels in your home like that? No. Didn't you have, like, one in a cage? Yeah, too? one was in a cage. That was his favorite one. I don't know. I'm confused as to how he got the squirrel in a cage. What you put in a cage? I feel, like, I feel like those things bite and, like, squirm and jump everywhere. Maybe. So the scene where he goes into the house and he's talking to the guy who worked at the cinema who drew the posters. Oh, right. And he's like, the handwriting from the posters matches with the handwriting from the letters. And he's like, I need to see your friend because he wrote all the posters. And then the dude's like, no, I wrote the posters. Ooh, that was... And you're like, uh... You're like, oh, you're dead. Did we ever find out who else was in the house? Was there anyone else in the house? No, we didn't find out. No. He heard. We heard footsteps. Maybe. Well, we definitely heard footsteps. Yeah, that's that scared me. Up. But Yellenhall sprinted out of the house real quick. Jake was not half mad. He tried to sprint out of the house real quick, but the front. Oh yeah, the door was locked, and then you get the scene where the guy's walking up to the door slowly, and he's oh, opens really the door, and he's like, "Here you go." Yeah. The entire scene's like. Oh my god, he's gonna die. <laughs> yeah, and then the final scene, years later after the, you know, previous scene, we see the book published in the airport. And then we meet up with the guy from the first murder. Uh, second murder, maybe. In the airport, the final scene. I'm getting I weird remember looks them here. doing a lineup. He just hands him a paper with like eight different portraits on it, and he's like, "Point to the guy who you saw." Oh. Now I remember that part. And he points to the guy, and he's like, "How sure are you?" Oh, and he's like, first murder." Yeah, I remember. Oh, when it's and he's like, and it ends up being the dude that like has the, the with the watch yeah. that we saw in the factory. And he's like, "How sure are you?" And he's like, "I can't be a hundred percent sure." Like, and he says like eighty or ninety percent or something. And then the movie ends. Crazy. Didn't, doesn't it end when they're in the store that he's in? in the store that oh, yeah. Store Jake Gyllenhaal in? visits him in the store and sort of looks at him. He gives him a look like, yeah, I know it's you. I'm on to you. Yeah. I, I wish they could have done something to, like, because, I mean, that dude died, like, passed right. away. Before the movie finished. They could convict him. You're going to jail for life. I'm already dead, sucker. (laughs) I mean, they could link him to there if they had, like, I don't know, physical evidence and stuff like that. that Is it worth it at this point, though? Exactly. That'd be huge. That case is probably so ran into the ground. They probably did everything for that case for so long. Even in the yeah. movie, we see Koski worked on it for like 10 years. Let's say, did they have 
DNA evidence on? They didn't. Didn't they no, really? That came out. Uh, they tried. Where did that come out? I don't know. The problem is you have to have DNA, like you have to have the DNA off of the person to cross-reference it with. So they had to... DNA, no, 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 they didn't have it. Because I was going to say, in Mindhunter, which is another serial killer show, Mm. that uh, that happened in the 80s when they got DNA evidence. And uh, so it happened in the 80s. So this movie was 60s, 70s. So they didn't have DNA evidence yet. They had fingerprints. That's what they were using. Fingerprints. Fingerprint and handwriting samples. Right. And that was just starting up. Um, that wasn't just starting up, but like, that was getting more traction. Um, well, and I guess now they caught, like, just recently, a few, two years ago ish, they caught the Golden State Killer with his DNA and stuff like that by using his trash and using a gene- genealogy database. And so hmm. I guess. I don't know, it'd be different solving the case now as in solving the case then because it was easier now to try and, like, trace people back to, I don't know, just because everyone's so, like, it was very popular to go send your DNA to figure out what your heritage was and stuff like that. But um, the government can access that. It's all, it's in the terms and conditions. So everyone read your terms and conditions if you're going to go send your DNA or fingerprints <laughs> anywhere. Um, or don't. If you're a serial killer, don't read the terms and conditions. Right. Well, they got the Golden State Killer off one of his relatives. Like, the dude didn't put his own DNA in there. One of his relatives put their DNA, and they matched Dang. it so Oh, yeah, close. it was like his uncle or something. Yeah, and they matched it so close that they're like, oh, well, you're related to him, so we're going to look down your family tree. And so, that was interesting. That would be uh, freaky if you were the uncle and you didn't know that it was like... <laughs> That'd be wild. Like, yeah, I knew there was something wrong with Timmy, but I didn't know no, there was something uh, that wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's not. I had him over for Christmas 20 years in a row, but I guess that's fine that he did all that. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, well, the thing was, like, this dude, I think he was like 80 something. Oh, yeah, he's like 80. Um, <laughs> At that point, what do you do to him? Exactly. Like, you can't be like, well, you have. Well, you got I'm about in jail, I guess. You got about ten more minutes of life left. <laughs> but he like, I guess it just brought a bunch of closure because he picked over like seventy women in like all like lower parts of California and stuff like that. And so like that's a ridiculous amount and really awful. And so I think just like the closure for everyone there would help and so it'd be interesting seeing seeing the zodiac's case now and trying to link i don't know trying to link it all together and get closure for the people that were affected by this yeah all right so final final ratings justification for your ratings on zodiac out of 10 so i guess hold on before we uh we will rate every movie we watched out of 10, going by half points, uh, so that you can compare how much we liked a movie versus another movie. So. Ladies first. Oh, boy. Um, Daddy. Yeah. 
So I think I would rate this movie somewhere around a seven. I guess it really wasn't my, I don't know. It wasn't my favorite movie. I wouldn't watch it just like, I wouldn't just put it on just because and stuff like that. I don't know. I thought they did a really good job in performing and a really good job in telling their story. I just, it dragged on for a little bit. I'm going to go with a six and a half. It was a really good movie. And as a somewhat accurate documentary, it would probably be good. But I feel like as a movie, it's not like, it drags on too long for it to be a very like entertaining and grabbing movie necessarily. But then again, I like yeah. action movies, so. Huh, so I thought about this a lot. I've been thinking about this. I'm, I'm in between giving it an eight and a 10. I, there's things that I don't know if I don't like certain things or if I think they add to the movie. And I sort of, I don't know. I, I feel like it's a really good movie, but I feel like it's not an easy 10 if I give it a 10. It's like, a, I'm going to give it an eight. I'm going to give it an eight just because I can't, uh, it's like in order so for it to be a 10, you have to be like, yes, it's a 10. It's like yeah. two separate movies. It feels like two separate movies. It really does. You get the like first half, which is at times it doesn't even feel like a movie almost. It feels just like a retelling of events kind of. It feels like a setup the, for a second movie. <laughs> right, the second half is like intricate character study for like Jake Gyllenhaal's character almost. It's almost like a setup and then a wrap up. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go with eight, I guess. I don't know. I liked it. My I did like it. It was 10 good. out of 10. My enjoyment was a 10 out of 10. But I, I did enjoy it. Eight. I think it's a movie. Uh, I might like it more as time goes on. I might. Yeah. I can appreciate it at the very right. least. It's, it's its own movie. That's that's for certain. That's definitely true. There, There is no other true story movie like this one. So I appreciate right. that. Yeah. So uh, yeah. this is Zodiac, the the gang's first experience with the David Fincher movie. Mm-hmm. So soon you'll see a review of The Social Network. Yeah, so we'll be joining us for that one. So uh, yeah, we're starting with Fincher movies, I guess. Because why not? He's great. I like Fincher. If I had to rank my Fincher movies, I'd go Social Network, Gone Girl 7, Zodiac, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I've heard about that one. Heard about that one. I've seen that one. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us today. And we will hopefully see you next week with our next episode. And this was Hypercast 1 with Zodiac. See ya.